Social Emotional Learning, SEL, as they say, claims to teach students essential skills, how to build relationships and how to understand the viewpoints of others. But there's much more to SEL than meets the eye. In fact, today's guest was fired when she criticized her school for their SEL curriculum. Her warning to parents is coming up next. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, we introduce you to special guests who share their personal stories and advice on how to build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their home, community, and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Corlitis, your host, and this is the Moms for America podcast, a show inspiring, encouraging, and educating moms in their journey through motherhood. We want to invite you right here at the top of the show to like and subscribe to our podcast. We also ask that you please tell your friends about the Moms for America podcast. Uh, we're here every week to help you um, navigate through this thing called motherhood. <laughs> if you have any ideas or topics that you would like us to chat about here on the podcast, would you please email me directly? That's at podcast at momsforamerica.net. Again, that email is podcast at momsforamerica.net. I would love to hear from you and love to know what you'd like us to be chatting about. I do want to invite all of our moms here that are listening to join our movement here at Moms for America. Moms like us, you and me, mama, we are uniting all across the country to fight for faith, family, freedom, and the Constitution. That's our goal. Our threefold pillar pillars are uh, empowering moms, uh, promoting liberty, and raising patriots. Those are the three things that we are doing on a day-to-day basis here. So check us out at momsforamerica.us. Again, our website is momsforamerica.us. Alrighty, on to today's show. Jennifer McWilliams joins me today. Um, while Jennifer has her teaching degree, she chose to stay home and raise her children. But later, she returned to the classroom as a teacher's aide and as a reading instructor. But Jennifer, believe this or not, she lost her job when she exercised the freedom of her own freedom of speech. Uh, what did she do? Good question. Well, Jennifer actually just reposted on her personal Facebook page an article that was critical of the social emotional learning curriculum that was adopted by her school board there in Indiana. Well, they didn't like that. They weren't very tolerant of that. So Jennifer's here to talk to us about SEL, um, her story, and um, what we need to know about it. So welcome, Jennifer, to the Moms for America podcast. Thank you for having me, Deb. All right, girl, we've got a lot to get into here. But first, do you want to tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. Um, yeah, so I, I still live here in Indiana, and uh, I have two children. I have a I have a uh, 16-year-old and a 9-year-old, and I'm busy homeschooling them. And, okay. uh, and then, of course, fighting alongside with all the moms that, uh, you know, are fighting with you. Right. Well, congratulations, Mama, over there. You're busy. So you've got a high schooler. And then what is that? Is it a junior high or? Uh, yeah, she's in third grade. Oh, third yeah. grade. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about SEL, social emotional learning. Um, again, this is a term that a lot of moms are just finding out about. Um, they're just being educated about. It's packaged very pretty in the school districts and in our culture. But um, from, what we, from what we're hearing, you are the expert on this uh, topic. So we're thrilled to have you. What is social emotional learning? And when did this come to your school? How did you find out about it? Mm-hmm. 
So when I took a uh, my position as a reading instructor in 2019, uh, I noticed right away that our school was very focused on uh, a program that was actually, it was in its third year at the time. Uh, they didn't call it social emotional learning. Our program was called Leader and Me. Uh, and but the focus of the staff meetings and the school and our and everything that was coming into the school had to do with this program. So I really started to research what it was because, like you said, it sounded very nice. You know, well, it and it was leader in me, leader the leader in me. Yes. Wow, this sounds perfect, doesn't it? Uh huh. Right. Sure. And uh, you know, everything looks very positive and bubbly. And uh, but I thought, you know, there's something there's something wrong here. And one of the things that uh, really triggered me to really start researching about social emotional learning was that uh, the school had us, we had lead days for our program and we would have children in our classrooms. And instead of focusing on academics, we were focused on their attitudes, beliefs, worldview. And we were uh, given social scenarios to role play with these children. And uh, so, and when I, we started doing that and the focus was not on the academics, uh, that's when I started looking into it. And what I found was uh, very concerning. And uh, so I thought, you know, I just need to kind of have this conversation with people in the community. They need to know there's another side to this program because people need to know if this is something they want their children involved with. Mm -hmm. um, so I started, I actually just started a Facebook group at the time um, in my own personal time. Okay. And uh, for parents to join, like what's happening all over the country right now, and just kind of start the conversation about uh, what Leader in Me was and that it was a social emotional learning program and what that actually meant. And it got quite a bit of attention. Okay. And uh, <laughs> it did. Um, but in the, in the school, you know, they weren't thrilled about it. But, you know, I explained to them, I said, you know, I have the right to have this conversation. I'm just, having a conversation with people. I have the right to have my own opinion. Right. Uh, and, and I have, at the time, my daughter was going to school there. Okay. So not, not only was that I have invested interest as a teacher there, but also my daughter was a student there. Right. Um, and, and, and right, Jennifer, this is the problem. We can't ask any questions anymore, right? No, no, you can't. Yeah. Do not question. Yeah. Do, not, Do not, question not question, just comply. Okay. So now you have concerns about this. You start the Facebook page. Um, and, and what happens now? Do you approach the school? Where do we go with this? Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the group actually grew, um, to where uh, we had active members in all 92 counties in Indiana. Uh, and I had just posted, like you, um, had said it was a, just a blog post that I did not write on my personal Facebook page during my, in my own personal time. And I did that on a Monday and in 2020, February, 2020, my school pulled me in the office four days later and fired me for that. And <clears throat> They said that I was not um, representing, I wasn't being a team player. I was not representing the school well. And uh, the, the blog post that I posted was all, everything that was in it was true. And I knew this because I was in the school working with this program. Uh, and so when they did that, I just, I immediately knew, you know, they're trying to silence me. And this is much bigger than I had even realized at the time. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep talking. The story went viral and I um, just, I really spent the last three years researching social emotional learning and traveling the state and educating anybody that will listen on social emotional learning. And what you see now and what you see today is uh, a result of the social emotional learning programs in over 90% of our schools in this country and parents are up in arms and they need to right. understand 
that it really is the umbrella that transformed our education system to Mm -hmm. what people are not happy about right now. So I I just want to back up on this because the leader in me, what are some examples of uh, the packaging that that, uh, would be in school districts? Um, Mm -hmm. That was the one that was in your area. I'm just curious because these samples help moms to start thinking about it, you know, be all you can be. Who knows? I'm not even sure what what different ways they're packaging this. Would you have some insight on that? I do. So if you have a child in public school, they are likely involved with social emotional learning program, but it's very, it's been very difficult for people to connect the dots because there are over a hundred, there are over 100 social emotional learning programs that schools can choose from, but they all work the same. They all follow the same framework that comes from CASEL, which is C-A-S-E-L, the collaborative for academic social and emotional learning. They all work the same, but they use different language. And so it's difficult for people um, <clears throat> to put the pieces mm-hmm. together. So in right. my it's school, not like one term and everybody looks mm-hmm. it up on their website and then they know it because they pack it. And this is why I want to have this conversation mm-hmm. is it looks different in every school it or does. school district. Yeah. It, yeah, it does. And um, so Leader in Me was in my school. Another uh, really uh, popular program is called Second Step. Um, I believe that is in all 50 states as well, um, but they, they all claim that they're going to teach your children the life skills, the competencies that they need to be successful in life. So for example, in my school um, with Leader and Me, they had nice phrases. We called them habits. We didn't call them skills that the children had to learn. They were habits. Okay. Um, and one of the habits uh, was <clears throat> to seek first before to seek first to understand before you are understood. Hmm. And I always explain to people that sounds like a, that's that skill sounds fine, especially for adults. When you understand your own morals, your own values, what is important to you. Um, and you can make those choices based mm-hmm. on what's best for you, but they are teaching these children that these skills such as seek first to understand before you are understood uh, is they are absolutes and that you use these skills in every situation in life. And essentially what they're doing is they're teaching children to compromise their morals and values that are, they're being taught at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just that whole philosophy, that is something I'd have to sit down at the kitchen table and unpack at our house. I mean, for, for the school to be, you know, these are very big ideas that they try to make simple, but they're not, they're, they're, they're very, they're very big, um, uh, steps, I guess I should say in someone's mind. Right. Right. And in the school, if your child is in school with a social emotional learning program, that is not called leader in me, they may call these competencies, something else. They may call them skills. They have all kinds of language, but they all work the same. And that's really key to understand that this is a, a, a game of semantics and it's very confusing for people, but it all works the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I was talking about the role playing that we were doing with these children, okay, they would give us a social scenario and it wouldn't really seem like a big deal. You would just read the scenario to these children and then you would give them one of the skills or one of the habits they were supposed to use to solve these, this problem. Okay. And so I would read um, a scenario where maybe um, they were, the kids were in the lunchroom and there was only five seats, but there were six seats kids that want to sit at the table. Um, and then you would tell the children, okay, I want you to use seek first to understand before you understood to, to solve this problem. And so you're conditioning these children 
to use these skills when they're in any situation, any social situation. And at the same time in my school, we transitioned our restrooms and our locker rooms to become inclusive. This is at an elementary school. And wow. it just dawned on me when that happened, I thought, this is what we're doing. We're teaching these children to compromise what's com comfortable for them. And I tell people, I, there are many, many things that I do not want my little girl to, to seek first to understand before she is understood. But the idea would be if she was going to go into, go into the, to the restroom or the locker room and there was a man in there and she wasn't comfortable, the idea would be for her to seek first to understand before she's understood. Uh, yeah. And so people have to realize when they're doing these, um, teaching children to use these skills all the time, there is a very radical right. progressive agenda behind it. And so they're mm -hmm. trying to condition these children to compromise what they're being taught at home and right. to create this new social norm. Right. And we're fearful because this really sets them up for grooming all the way mm -hmm. because, um, you know, it should always be caution first. <laughs> That's what yeah. I always tell my kids, you know, caution first. And talk to mom and dad. That's where you, that's where we start. Absolutely. With um, so, so let's talk about I, I, this role play. This is a really great um, example for us here. Like you're saying that you do with your kids. So, um, so this is happening in the school and they fire you. What happens? I kind of want to combine both of these stories of your journey here. You get fired. Does anybody in the community speak up? Does anyone concerned about this? We're other teachers concerned about this? Was this a red flag for parents as well? It was, uh, you know, I had a lot of support, but of course there was a lot of very defensive teachers saying, right. you know, that's not really how we're using the program. Um, and, and she doesn't know what she's talking about, but I, I did know what I was talking about. Um, right. and, uh, but I think when I was fired, something that stuck out to me and that was so concerning is that they, you know, they used me as an example. Mm -hmm. They used me to let the other teachers know if you yeah. speak up, you, you this is fired. going to happen. Right? right. So teachers were afraid. They were sure. afraid to speak up unless they were fighting for the side of the school. And there was quite a few of them, especially mm -hmm. the teachers union. Uh, mm -hmm. the, those teachers were very vocal. Um, and then not only though, did they, they silence teachers that were concerned about this program because they were afraid to lose their job they silenced uh, the community because I had students um, that were my students and uh, I had their parents would reach, they reached out to me afterwards, but privately and said, sure. Jennifer, thank you for speaking up. We didn't know this program. We didn't know what it was, but we're looking into it now, but I'm afraid to speak out publicly because they have my children. My children mm -hmm. still go to that school. So they were Crazy. not only bullying the teachers, mm -hmm. but they bullied the community and the parents sure to be, silent, to be yeah. quiet. So um, let's talk a little bit of, uh, more about SEL and how it relates to critical race theory, because they really do go hand in hand or SEL really is like the umbrella and then all the other messaging happens. How, how do you see it? Break it down for us, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. Social emotional learning is uh, the delivery system of the critical theory into the schools. And when social emotional learning uh, came on, it came into the, uh, most schools started taking it on in around 2015, 2016. It was in other school districts before that, but uh, as a na nationwide movement, it was around 2015, 2016. And social emotional learning is what they would call a systemic change. So when they did that, mm -hmm. they changed many parts of the way that school traditionally worked. Mm 
Okay. They got they got rid of zero tolerance behavior policies and brought up brought in restorative justice practices. So um, the idea that it's not the child that has a bad behavior that needs fixed it is society. It is the system that needs fixed. Um, mm. they I remember also, this changing. I remember this changing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, that was one of the first things that changed in the school system. Uh, and I, and really the government came in, created chaos in the school. And then of course, here they came with the solution, which was social mm-hmm. emotional learning. I, and, I, I had a teacher tell me just as a side note that when they, took away zero tolerance tolerance in their school because they had a very tough zero tolerance for um, really for any kind of acting out. She yeah. felt that the whole school got unsafe because now the kids, instead of getting expelled or their, or their parents called or they're being, you know, um, you know, <laughs> some kind of discipline, um, they now had to just write a paper. And, and just the whole thing got really just crazy in this one school. And she was like, it's just not safe anymore because we don't have zero tolerance. That's right. And it, and that is everywhere now. And they actually piloted uh, sort of practices uh, in uh, uh, Parkland, Florida at the school. And um, it, there's been a lot of reports out because of that change in their discipline policies mm-hmm. that, um, you know, led to had conditions that led to um, the the school shooting, which is just horrific. But it, right. when they brought this into the schools, it truly created chaos because before you would have a child that was acting out, misbehaving, mm-hmm. um, and they would be removed from the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, there would be consequences. They have to learn there's consequences for their behavior. Uh, and after they changed from zero tolerance to restorative practices, they left those children in the classroom because if you mm-hmm. pull those ch- children out, then they would say that's being right. oppressive. Right. And when you do that, you create chaos in the classroom. You have children that w- would never normally act out, but now mm-hmm. they're in an environment that's very chaotic and not structured. And so even their behavior starts to fall. Do you think, uh, Jen, that this is why we have such a shortage of teachers now? Because of this particular, I mean, many, many issues, but I could see this with teachers now too. They're just like, I I can't deal with this anymore. I do. Yes. And uh, there was a report that came out maybe a month ago that said, um, and that was one of the top reasons that teachers said, no, Mm -hmm. it isn't the pay. It isn't what the teachers union are trying to put out. It's not the pushback from the parents. It is the conditions within the school and that there is no structure. There is no consequence. There is no discipline. The children, they have no respect because they are not taught or required to have respect anymore. Um, So that was one thing that changed with social emotional learning. Another thing that changed was they, they, switched from a a traditional teaching method, what we, most of us grew up learning in public schools, um, a a method that is not political and uh, focused on academics. Uh, They switched to what's called culturally responsive teaching. And culturally responsive teaching is the method that is coined by uh, Gloria Ladson Billings. She is a self-proclaimed critical race theorist. And the idea of using culturally responsive teaching is to engage students purposefully in conversations in every, in all of their lessons, all of their uh, uh, subjects, and and engage them in stories and experiences that surround the idea of systemic racism and oppression. And so 
people look through the curriculum, you may look at your child's math curriculum and say, well, they're not teaching critical race theory and math. Yes, they are. And they can, and they are, if they are a culturally responsive teacher, which is what they tell them to be now, mm -hmm. then they are to engage these students in conversations. What would that look that, like? Mm -hmm. So if you, I, I'll give you, because really I'm just trying to think of math, you know, right. How, sure. How, you know, it's probably, you would think it kind of would be impossible there, but what, what kind of math problems are we going to discuss here that we're going to, so you know, if you have, like? sure. So if you had a, um, a math, uh, problems such as, you know, Johnny was going to the amusement park and they were driving his, him and his mom and dad were driving 50 miles to get there. They've, they've already drove 20 miles. How many more miles do they need to go? You wouldn't think you could make that about systemically racist America, but what they, what you are supposed to do, if you're a culturally responsive teacher, you engage students in a conversation and ask questions like, uh, now, Johnny has a mom and dad in this story problem. Do all families have a mom and dad? What do, what do families look like now? And then you get, so it doesn't just have to be about race. It can be about anything that they deem as a, a marginalized group. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, maybe you wanna use this lesson to uh, get children talking about same-sex parents. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that type of situation. Another way you could make that culture responsive is to say, well, Johnny's driving in, a, in his family car to the music park. Does everybody have a car? Why doesn't everybody have a car? Mm. And you get these little children with natural empathy and they're very innocent kids, right? They, they love and feel for everything. And then you say, well, is it fair that everybody doesn't have a car? Mm -hmm. And so you start to condition children to view the world in this way. So then you're going to have children that raise their hand and say, Oh, I have two cars. Right. And you might have a, a, a child that raises their hand and says, well, we don't have a car, but we borrow grandma and grandpa's car sometimes. And you just, you engage these little children in, in conversations, emotional conversations to get them to adopt what they would call a, a critical consciousness and view America uh, critically. And then as they get older and the older grades, especially in high school, uh, those conversations become, oh, yeah. Yeah. Are, they are surrounded by, um, with a purpose of, of activism. So what do you True. do about this, right? Mm -hmm. What do you do about this? And you get children to start thinking about changes they can make in the system. And, and, here, that's and by the way, right, Jennifer, then these kids never found out what the answer to the problem is. <laughs> They've only found out what the emotional, uh, you know, circumference around this potential problem could be. We never got to the answer of the problem. And this is what they're doing. And this is why our, our schools are failing. They're, they're playing on their emotions instead of dealing mm -hmm. with the education, right? Instead of the curriculum, instead of and learning it, how to divide or to subtract. Right, right. And, and that is why social emotional learning brings in the critical race theory. They're not teaching your children that there is a theory and what that theory is. They have transformed the education system around the theory as an objective truth. And they are psychologically manipulating, manipulating these children to believe it. Wow. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but it's, it's, we're seeing this all the way in, in these survey. Well, there's so many things I want to talk to you about here. So um, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, where, where you see this is going right now. How are they, how are they, um, I guess, I guess I kind of want to get to the fact that pa the parents, you know, are always shocked about situations like this. Um, how are they packaging it um, in other other topics and other um, subject matters? So the, 
the idea at the school, if you look at your uh, state department education uh, website or even your schools, a lot of them will talk about having a culturally competent environment. So social emotional learning is not just about uh, changing the way that they teach, but it is, it was a full school culture shift and oh. the, they shift the culture around this, again, the critical race theory, that ideology mm-hmm. and uh, bring in all of the ideas and progressive ideas, such as uh, the Black Lives Matter. That's why you see that in school. That should never, that should not be in school. That is a right. political movement. Um right. That is why you will see uh, clubs, a lot of clubs that come into the school uh, known as GSA clubs, uh, Gay Straight Alliance or or Gay Sexuality Alliances clubs. And it allows children to anything they want to identify as they can have a club for that so that they are represented in the in the system. Right. And then those those clubs are happening at school. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the parents aren't sure what's happening in the clubs, in the school, what the messagings are, what the message is to their children. Truth. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And you even call this kind of agents of change uh, that they're raising activists with SEL. Talk to that, too. That, and that is in their own language. Uh, again, so all of this, it doesn't matter what your social emotional learning program is. Okay. It, they will they will follow the framework from Castle. They all work towards the same goals. And in Castle's uh, reports that they put out, uh, they state that they are going to create agents of change with our children. And uh, school is no longer about academics. When Castle first came on the scene and created this framework and started with the idea of pushing this into our schools, one Mm -hmm. of the very first reports that they had, they said in it, they said, why do we need social emotional learning? And it said, because uh, parents and homes are no longer the best place for children to have uh, a responsible adult in their lives. And so the schools need to do it for them. Okay. And just think about this, moms. Think about our parental rights completely being under attack, undermined, and the school coming in and saying basically that they're a better parent than you. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. They have overstepped so bad and it's so wrong. And, and this is why just moms are, you know, all up in arms because really they, they're so bold. I mean, that is a bold statement. It is, it is. And then, so they decide that they're going to teach the life skills. Well, the life skills are through, like I've been talking about with social emotional learning, but what they call an equity lens. When you hear an equity lens, that means that it is being filtered to your children through the viewpoint of someone that uh, sees our country as oppressive Mm-hmm. And, and that needs dismantled. And so when you hear equity lens, that's what that means. And so they're delivering this program, these skills uh, and engaging students to be agents of social change for this cause. It's a, it's a, it's a blatant political movement that is yeah. infecting our all of our children. And we know when you go, at, if you wanna make change, you go after the next generation and you start conditioning them. Um, let's talk about the, um, which is what I saw in my school here, is the uh, survey, the amount of surveys that are going out. In fact, I just had a mom call me that the first day of school, her kids were surveyed. Uh, I don't remember anybody asking me ever any kind of surveys like this about my gender, my identity, my religious, uh, do my parents do this? Do I do this? Um, is this being like uh, uh, the test that we had here or the survey we had here in our school district, they wanted to know was the LBGTQ 
plus being representative in, in social studies? Was it being representative in, in math? Was it being represented here? They asked my son, uh, you know, a, a plethora of questions about his identity and his sexual preference. Is he confused? Is he questioning? And that really got our school up in arms. And that's why I took my son out regarding, well, plus other situations, COVID was a mess. But these surveys are data mining our children. Is this correct? But yes, they are. And social emotional learning is, they will say it is a cycle of continuous improvement. Uh, but I say detriment, not improvement. But the way it works is that they bring in the, the program, they change uh, the systems, and then they survey the children on uh, their beliefs and values and how they feel their emotions. Mm -hmm. And then they use that data and it is interpreted through what they call an equity lens. Uh, and this is literally in their their, their words. That's okay. right. Um, and so when you do that, it always comes back that the school is being oppressive to someone in some way, always. If that's the lens you use to interpret the data, that's what happens. And so then they, the data comes back and then they have to change something within the school. They mm -hmm. will, maybe they change a couple things. Maybe they put their teachers through um, more DIE training um, and then they will wait a few months and then they will do the cycle again. They will survey the children again because they will say, well, we want to see how those changes are helping our community. And then they will, it will return results that it's oppressive, maybe in the same way or another way. And then mm -hmm. they will make more changes. So it's a yeah. continuous cycle. And that's why five years in a lot of schools um, at this point are probably four or five years into this. Now we're really seeing the radical changes that they are pushing and this will never stop. And so that yeah, it, this, yeah, I just want to say one thing about these surveys too. You know, I was heartbroken when I saw it. My son was in high school, but you know, this went down to, to fifth or sixth graders. I can't remember exactly, which is what 11 years old. Mm -hmm. But when you ask a child, well, one, they say two questions I have one, it's really devastating to ask a child a question that they're maybe put on their heels about, like nobody's ever asked them, like, are you you know, are you questioning your gender or gender or your identity or sexuality? And then you get a child, this is what breaks my heart as a mom, right? You get a child to maybe check that because they're just in this questioning world of, we know that all junior hires are or kids in general, and they check that little box, but they check something in their heart too. You know, that's like a big statement. I'm questioning, or I'm confused, or I don't know the answer to this. And you start making these children make these big decisions at such a young age and they start checking those in their heart. That's one thing that just drives me crazy about this because they don't even know, you know, they don't even know what to put their shoes on correctly. And we're asking them these incredible uh, deep questions. Um, and then the other thing is they say that these surveys are uh, anonymous, are they? They're not anonymous. Uh, they are often done on their Chromebooks or whatever uh, they sure use they at their schools. And that is attached to their student ID, which is also attached to their uh, social security number. Oh the, no, they told me it was anonymous. No, it is not. No one and, ever tracks it. <laughs> well, I can tell you that the, so this, when this, when your child takes those surveys, it, it is attached to them. It is building uh, from our government. Each child that is a social emotional learning school is, has a psychological profile that is, uh, that is being collected and put into what's called statewide wow. longitudinal databases. And this is in every state. 
And eventually, right now, there's a lot of money being pumped into these databases because they're going to, eventually, they will connect them nationwide. And these are essentially like what is in China, social credit scores. And your child has a score attached to them on how social, how, you know, well they are doing in their social and emotional needs. Now, keep in mind, this is, this is interpreted through an equity lens. So they're essentially getting a score that says how woke they are. That's right. 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 How, how likely are they to conform to social justice, um, this social justice agenda. Would you say that again? What, what is that the term that, 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 that rating is, uh, the, well, they put the scores into statewide longitudinal databases. Okay. Into databases. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you think that, that you, you, you're telling us that that goes into a rating system. Is there a name for that rating system at this point? Not that I'm aware of. So there's different programs that will, um, that they, they use to generate these scores, but the school then can go into, you could, you could do it by a grade. You could do it by classroom. You can do an individual, but they have dashboards that keep this data for them, for the school, and they can target children then. So they could pull up, um, maybe they want to look at third grade one year. So they pull up the third grade classrooms and they want to check out how the females are doing in those classrooms. And then they can pull those scores through this dashboard and we'll see, okay, they'll say, well, let's take the lowest uh, SEL scores, the lowest 20%, and let's put them in small group interventions to try to help them bring up their social emotional learning score, which is, uh, you know, is to help them condition them to um, work towards the social justice agenda. So moms, they're scoring our kids Mm -hmm. um, and we're, you know, Either we're, we're not aware or we've been asleep too long or uh, unfortunately they have just really accelerated this whole program. So um, kids do not take surveys. You know, that, that's why I told my guy, don't take the survey. Um, you know, they said, well, it's, it's, uh, it's optional. Is it optional? The social emotional <laughs> learning surveys are uh, usually optional, but a lot of times uh, because of the way they word these questions, they do not fall under um, the the guidelines for student privacy where you have to get consent. You just have to let the parents know that there's going to be a survey yeah, at some point. So, mm-hmm. so it's kind of hidden often in those beginning forms that all the parents are trying to sign and get through. Um, and so you can opt your child out of uh, these surveys. And I highly suggest you get them out of every single survey. Now, if you see some of the questions, uh, I'll have parents say, well, I saw the questions. They didn't seem like a big deal. Um, so I'll give you an example. One of them may say, you know, how often do you feel on a weekly basis that you belong at school? And your, your child's going to answer that question. And then the data comes back and maybe it says, you know, 20% of this class doesn't feel like they belong on a weekly basis at school. Um, the school then is going to change the system and say, well, maybe we need to bring in more GSA clubs or mm. so they could, they feel represented. They feel like they belong. And so they're just assuming is, they're assuming, assuming they're right. assuming. And then, like you said, we're talking about children. They don't, I mean, the children ask that are being asked highly subjective questions. Mm. And then the consequence of t- attaching a score to these kids in that way is, is, can be devastating for them. And this is not just for school. This is supposed to go into what P-W20, which is 
preschool through the workforce. So essentially it's a life score. I mean, that's tragic. We've got somebody scoring our kids, building a, uh, a book on them mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be with them. You know, what's your score? I, it's hard. And again, I'm telling you, it's hard to believe that a lot of this stuff is happening. But, you know, like a lot of pe- people say, a lot of people thought these were a lot of conspiracy theories and a lot of them are coming are, are coming to pass. So, um, you know, they do this in China. They do this in a lot of countries, right? They mm-hmm. score. You have a scoring system and you can work and live based on your scoring. Talk about that, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. So as people need to understand how scary these scores are, because they talk about this as far as the higher your score you have, the, the more employable you are. Mm. So when children go into the workforce, uh, when they decide to eventually activate these scores into the workforce, um, if your child, right, carried with them, maybe they're conservative or Christian values um, for school, then they're going to have a lower score likely. Mm. And so that's, that is one thing. Now, another thing is social emotional learning came in as a mental health initiative. And when you have a child, maybe you have a child that had a rough couple of years, maybe their parents are getting a divorce. Maybe a grandparent passed mm-hmm. away. Maybe, you know, kids go through all life kinds issues, of life issues, life that, things, right, right. It happens. So, and maybe they had a rough couple of years. Well, those years they're scoring that child. And so let's just say, uh, maybe when they become an adult, they want to practice their second amendment. What they're going to do is they're going to pull these scores and they're going to say, well, this child had, a um, when he was growing up, had a few rough years, we better, you know, red flag them. We better put them on a restriction list. They're going to use them to decide who can practice their constitutional rights. They're going to use them to decide what wow. area of the workforce they can go into they are scoring these children so that they can control them. It's so disturbing. It's, it's like, it is. you're actually kind of um, speechless because you're like, wow, we've mm-hmm. gotten to this point. What can we do about CEL in our schools now? Um, and I know you have a website and everything, Jennifer. I'd like you to tell us about that. Um, what do we do about SEL? Yeah, well, parents have to get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, heavily involved. And, um, first of all, get your children out of the data because all of the companies and organizations that are involved in pushing social emotional learning, it is, they want that data. That data is the bloodline. They use that data, um, in so many ways and people are under the impression that the school just keeps that data with them as it, but I've explained it, what goes into the databases, but not only that, a school can deem um, a, an organization or a company uh, an authorized representative. And once that happens, they can those companies, those organizations can also get a hold of this data. So they're using it to bring in all kinds of things into the school. It's a huge market. So we have to cut off the bloodline mm-hmm. of social emotional learning, get them out of the yeah. data. Um, and then yeah. not only that is it is a complicated topic. And so education is really key. And so, um, you know, I have a lot of stuff on my website, uh, jennifermcwilliamsconsulting.com. And I think right now we just have to get people to understand how serious this is, because if you get on social media, you see examples all over the place of a book, a lesson, a teacher, you know, uh, Mm. that people are worried about, but we have to look at it as this, as the system, as the umbrella that this is transformed under, which is social emotional learning. Right. 
Wow. Uh, closing thoughts for our moms. Uh, I mean, I know you've given us some great advice already. Um, I know it, it can be overwhelming for them. Um, what else would you tell them to do? Just hang tight here and fight the fight and, you know, get, get informed, get, go to Jennifer's site. That's what mm -hmm. I'm going to say. And you go to our website because we have a lot on social emotional learning. We have a lot on critical race, parental rights. Um, again, this is just another shocking situation that's happening, but if we don't know about it, then we can't fight it. And if we don't know about it, we can't change it. If we don't know about it. We can't protect our kids about it. Yeah. And I would just say, you know, stand strong because, uh, you know, if you aren't, if you are afraid and you don't speak up for your children, who will? Uh, and so I would rather for us to take on this fight than our, than our children have to, you know, deal with, uh, what's to come. So we just, we have to stand up and, and don't give labels power. People will say a lot of things, but, mm. um, you know, and I think they, that's just a technique to silence you and, and don't give that power. We've mm. got to stand up for these children. That's right. Well, thank you for fighting this fight. Um, thank you for, uh, is there any news on your lawsuit? Where did that end up going then? I'm sorry. Never got a chance to get the end of your That's story. A, yeah. So I have a first amendment lawsuit, um, I guess my school and it is still ongoing. So it's over two years now. Uh, but I do tell people I like when I, when I win my case, because it was a clear violation of my first amendment that I'm going to mm -hmm. encourage everyone to use their, uh, first amendment and speak out and speak loud speak out and speak loud. Mm -hmm. Look at, you know, and that isn't a look at, I mean, I'm sure in the midst of this, you were like, wow, how did this happen to me? I lost my job. I just spoke the truth, but look at what you're doing now. You know, look at how you turned it for good. And now you're helping other parents uh, learn about this. And thank you for being such an expert on it. I know this has been a lot of time, a lot of effort on your part, and we do appreciate what you're doing. Hey, thank you. And I, and all of your, all of your moms and people that are listening and out there fighting. I appreciate everyone. All right. Well, thank you, Jennifer. God bless you and all that you're doing there. Um, moms, please share this. Um, every time I talk with somebody, I, I learn more and more information. No surveys. You know now where it comes from. Uh, go to Jennifer's website, which is jennifermcwilliamsconsulting.com. We'll put that up here. Uh, Jennifer does a lot of speaking on this topic. Uh, I'm so glad that she took time out of her, her schedule to meet with us and talk to us about the dangers of SEL. This is important. Um, they're coming after our kids and we're, we're not going to let it happen. So thanks, Jennifer. Uh, we appreciate your time. And um, go ahead and share this podcast, Moms, with all of your mamas that are out there. Another great podcast for our moms um, and education and what they're doing with their kids. All righty. Well, before we close, I'd like to remind you to visit our website at momsamerica.us. Again, check out all our amazing resources, events, and programs. Love to have you check out our signature program, which is called uh, the Cottage Meetings. These 12 lessons will inspire and educate you as a mama about America's amazing heritage. So you can share those with your children and share with them the principles of liberty. Um, this is how we change our home one, one, one home at a time. We teach our kids, right? We, we share with them the principles of liberty and what makes America great. Um, this program, along with so many other resources, are on our website. Um, again, we're partnering with all kinds of uh, organizations to share great information, just like we did with Jennifer today. 
Uh, Moms for America has it all, and uh, we're glad to be helping you in this way. So here's one thing I do want to share. We just released Restoring Patriotism uh, this, this last month, and it is a campaign to restore patriotism in every home across America. That's what we're challenging our moms to do. That's the clarion call. Raise up patriots. Teach your kids about America. Talk to them about the principles of liberty. Talk to them why America is great, why our constitutional is exceptional um, and like no other. So go to Restoring Patriotism on our website. Uh, You can click on that page. You'll see a video. You'll see all of these resources that will help you raise patriotic children. Um, There's mentorship programs. There's programs for moms, for kids, for families. And with this, we have the Patriot Pack. Uh, For those of you that are listening, the Patriot Pack is a red sack that's super cute, says Patriot Pack on here. Inside of this pack is some great information. But first I wanna tell you that this is all custom. Uh, We decided to do this because we want to give moms the opportunity to raise patriots and have something that comes to their door uh, that gets delivered. You put this out on the, you say, hey, kids, we've got patriot packs for everyone, for your grandkids. They open it up at the kitchen table. They look through this and they think about what is patriotism? What is America? Why is America so great? So in here, we have um, a super cute uh, Navy shirt. We have it for boys and for girls, and it's called uh, Patriotic Kid. Super cute. Um, So you get a t-shirt inside of the cinch sack, you get a flag, you get a constitution, a youth constitution, and then you get this customized book that we wrote special for this initiative. It says, Moms for America, I'm a patriotic kid. And in here are all um, different activities. There's like connect the dots, there's coloring, there's matching, there's uh, filling in the spaces. all kinds of symbols of freedom, what makes America great, the Declaration of Independence, you can go through a maze. It just talks about the Bill of Rights, everything that makes America great. Look at this, are you a patriot? Take the take the quiz. Even Lee Green would let us use um, Proud to be American in here. So this is just a great resource for you to talk about patriotism with your kids. So um, this is like a be curious, I, I, just everything about this book I absolutely love. So um, then on the back is uh, Amer- the American Creed. Your kids will be uh, patriots when they finish this. And this is just a great way for you to, to discuss patriotism in your home. There's also crayons in there. So go ahead, get that. We're going to give that to you at a special. When you go to our, our website, which is momsforamerica.us, go to the store, then you look up the Patriot Pack and put in podcast in capital. Again, that's podcast in capital. You will get 25% off. So they will not be $24.99 for you. They will be $20. So go ahead, get your Patriot Pack for your kids or your grandkids, whatever it may be. We just want to help you raise patriots and restore patriotism in every home across America. All right. And if you love it, let me know. Send me pictures, all that fun stuff. Love to see it. All right, when you're on our website, would you please go ahead and sign up for our newsletter? This is another way that we connect with you. Uh, and you kind of join our movement here. Every week, um, you know, we gather together to talk about liberty and patriotism and um, parenting and being a mama and all these great things uh, because we believe that you, mama, you are the heartbeat of America and you are the heartbeat of your home. That's why this movement is so powerful and is so important. It's because moms, moms just like you, are teaching your children, praying with your children, and they're saving our country.
Yes, and amen. Keep doing it, Mama. All right, uh, please join us next week as we have another inspiring, informative discussion for moms every week. We're just here to inspire you, educate you, and help you on your journey through motherhood. Share this podcast. I think this here on SEL is another incredibly important podcast on what is happening in our schools and how they are indoctrinating our kids. Be careful, moms. So thanks for joining us and let's keep changing our world one home at a time. And I will see you next week.